0: Good morning. My name is Ginger. The title of today um, is A Road to Freedom. Freedom is an attractive value in human life. We all want to be free one way or the other. We usually follow our heart, which we believe leads us to freedom. I, too, have searched for my freedom, and I took the path of a Buddhist priest to get there. When I say freedom, I meant freedom of mind. Attaining freedom of mind is the ultimate goal of my spiritual practice. Freedom is a double-edged sword because it is inevitably accompanied by restriction. Master Sutesan said, true freedom is attained by refraining from self-indulgence Therefore, a person who seeks true freedom must first keep the precepts well." End quote. The idea of achieving true freedom is about being free from either holding or letting go. To attain this freedom, we need to cultivate the ability to hold our mind when it is necessary and let it go when it is necessary. Mind practice always begins with seizing the mind, and the practice of keeping precepts is about discipline and restriction. However, we want to follow our free spirit all the time. Who'd want to be restricted? Here is a story of a nagging mom and a rebellious child. When I was in my teens, my mom used to nag me Like many other moms, she would say, do this or don't do that. I was kind of a rebellious child, just like many other kids. So I often did not listen to her and instead talked back to her. Especially when my mom told me to do something I had already decided to do, I would suddenly become reluctant or try to put it off. But some of her demands were reasonable, so sometimes I did listen to her. For example, she would say, clean your room, do the dishes, and help me in the kitchen. When she said something like that under certain conditions, it was a really good idea to follow her guidance. Once we grow older and mature, we no longer need a nagging mom. We can give our moms a a break from ceaselessly trying to take care of us. But how? We can willingly turn our head toward what will lead us to a proper path. I mean, let's be an adult. But even adulthood does not guarantee that following a proper path will be easy because physically mature is different from spiritually mature. We might resist proper external authority, such as the precepts. So instead, we can choose to internalize the good guidance and become our own authority. We can be voluntarily obedient to what is reasonable and appropriate. When we follow proper guidance willingly, our voluntary actions lift up any of our embedded heavy feelings. Our attitude will be lightened, and a sense of confidence will follow us. So what kind of guidance am I talking about? I am talking about the guidance that is usually given to religious practitioners to help them to guard their mind by refraining from misbehavior. In Judaism and Christianity, this kind of guidance is called the Ten Commandments. In Buddhism, such guidance is called precepts. There are more than 500 precepts in traditional Buddhism. How many precepts in one Buddhism then? Altogether, we have 30 precepts, and we are gradually given them 10 at a time, depending on our spiritual capacity. Although I will take some examples from the one Buddhist precepts, I'm not really talking about individual items in terms of validity. Some of them need to be readdressed according to regional and cultural background. So I'll talk about precepts in general as good spiritual guidance. Some of the basic precepts in One Buddhism are, do not kill without due cause, do not steal, Do not commit sexual misconducts. These are the most fundamental restrictions. They are so basic that they address everyone, not just religious practitioners. They are essential for living harmoniously in human society. We hear the news of crimes every day whenever these precepts are broken. Along with these items, there are a few more precepts I'd like to introduce to you. Do not consume intoxicants without due cause. Do not fight without due cause. Do not speak flowery words. Do not be conceited. Do not be greedy. Do not harbor hatred. Do not be deluded. Do you notice? that some of these items end with the phrase without due cause. Without due cause is a compassionate intention that gives wiggle room to practitioners so they can gradually adopt the precept according to their own specific circumstances. What else do we find here? All the precepts begin with the form of negation, do not. This shows the nature of precepts which inevitably confines the free spirit of human beings. Even if we voluntarily follow these restrictions, the practice of keeping precepts can still feel heavy. To explore this, let's take a look at the dialogue between a Christian pastor and Master So san One day, a Christian pastor visited Master So san and shared his concerns about encouraging people to practice precepts, he said. All religions without exception have talked about precepts, but it seems to me that rather than helping, they oppress the innocent, inherent nature of human beings and restrain their free spirit. Thus, they create many obstacles for many people, end quote. The remarks of the Christian pastor express well the nature of precepts, and maybe you too agree. But Master Sutezan's answer to this question is very clear. He said, if you live by ourselves, it wouldn't matter if we, if we just did as we pleased. But in the world, we face a web of various kinds of laws that are widely watched by the general public. So, if we indulge in wrongful conduct, where will we hide? Therefore, I conclude that when a person goes out into the world, one should be cautious of every step as if treading on thin ice, so as not to deviate from the way of humanity. Thus, I cannot help but prescribe precepts to practitioners." End quote. Ironically, following our free spirit sometimes does not lead us to true freedom. Our free will as human beings can easily lead us to create unwholesome karma, and as a result, our spirit is no longer free. We should be able to ask ourselves whether or not we are wise enough to go against our old unwholesome habits and tame our wild desires. This question is really about our mind, whether we are capable of being free from between holding the mind and letting go of the mind. When it comes to practicing precepts, we have two options. The first option is to give up deepening our practice. We can live just as who we were and are as long as we do not commit serious misconduct. Nothing will go wrong. The only thing is we will remain the same person, a sentient being defined by our ego. If we do not want to buy this ticket, then we have a second option. It is to willingly follow the path of Buddha like a responsible adult. We do not just want to be submissive, but instead we want to be voluntarily obedient. Master Chong San said, precepts are the life force. Precepts are the life force of a spiritual practitioner and the latter for attaining Buddhahood. Do not follow the foolish demands of your mind and instead, Observe the precepts even at the risk of death. End quote. Master Chong San here used the strong expression of even at the risk of death. I think this is because practicing precepts is about severing unwholesome seeds in our mind, namely ignorance. And this is tough to deal with. The last precept that says, do not be deluded is about ignorance. What does not be deluded mean? It means not to be fooled by our egoistic self. It also means do not be easily satisfied with our own understanding of truth, as our interpretation of truth may not be an authentic one. It is worth noting that when Dharma grows, Mara grows. As we become more knowledgeable about our spiritual practice, we may become an arbitrary interpreter when it comes to true nature. We can take an extreme viewpoint influenced by only one aspect of truth, namely non-dualism. This is quite a dangerous pitfall. Until we are greatly enlightened we should not fully trust our own thoughts or our own experience of the realm of truth. If we think that keeping precepts is not, impor- is not so important, we are in trouble. In the Dharma of Repentance, Master Sutesan said, Recently, there have been groups of self-styled enlightened ones who occasionally appear, and make light of the precepts, discipline, and cause and effect. They have acted as they pleased and stopped as they pleased under the guise of unconstrained action. Thus, in some cases, they have sullied the gateway of the Buddha." End quote. This is a strong warning about self-indulgence. This clever disguise of ignorance can come before us as non-dualism. It is so clever that non-dualism can manipulate us so that our conduct becomes inappropriate, or we hold an extreme viewpoint trying to interpret everything with emptiness. Our true nature marvelously appears whenever we use our mind and body. This manifestation of truth is sophisticated, and it interacts with the law of cause and effect. We live in this physical world in which a web of karma is interwoven in complicated patterns. No matter how genuine the experience of true nature we may have, any obsessive understanding of non-dualism may show us only what we want to see we may end up chasing after a temporary feeling of oneness. Please note that seeing true nature or awakening to universal awareness is not the destination of our practice. Rather, it is a starting point of our practice. To me, it is true that whenever and wherever I want to use a calm, clear, and resolute mind based on my true nature, even at the moment of life and death. experience of true nature is a tool to use, is not a goal to achieve. Let me share a short story from Charles Calmond, an entomologist. When he was little, he enjoyed watching insects. One day, Calmond found a larva and carefully observed the moment when the larva tried to break its cocoon and emerge as a butterfly. To his eyes, the baby butterfly was trying so hard to break the tiny cocoon. He felt bad for its tr- struggle and he wanted to be kind to that butterfly. Out of compassion, he pierced a little hole for it. After that, Kalman happily anticipated seeing the butterfly flap its splendid wings and fly to the sky. But to his surprise, the butterfly barely dragged its wings on the ground and soon it died. The end of the story. The baby butterfly was not able to gain the strength it needed to take off from the ground. Kalman's improper sympathy only blocked the butterfly's ability to strengthen its own power. What do we see in this story? We do not want to remain superficial practitioners like the butterfly with the splendid wings that could never get off the ground. Let's not win our spiritual journey with mere temporary satisfaction. We cannot take only an easy path using our picking and choosing attitude. At some point, without fail, we need to deal with the core ignorance embedded within us. Endurance is a necessary quality and one that we need to cultivate on our spiritual path. The precepts teach us the practice of endurance. True freedom comes after undergoing inevitable hardships while we keep voluntarily observing items in the precepts. The way to freedom is not simple and easy. That's why attaining the true freedom is rewarding.